How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. Greetings, Al. How you, my boy? Yeah, good, brew. It's been a little while since we've sat down in front of the microphones. Yeah, I think we've both been busy. A lot of travel. SharePoint Saturday month was October. And yeah, it's just been a, a crazy busy time. But then again, it's, it seems to be like that. It's The entire year was like that. Yeah, it has been. Um, but we're back at it now and giving you guys a good show. We've got a really cool guest on this week, Al. I don't know if I'd call him cool, though. Um, I think he's cool. Look, he's, he's got the second best hair in, in SharePoint. Um, after me, naturally. Well, no. So Michael Holster, <laughs> who uh, looks after tech community with Anna Chu, um, he has the best hair. He dethroned our guest, the formidable Christian Buckley, um, at Ignite. Um, it, it didn't go down well with Christian. He was rather terrified. He was horrified that um, he no longer has the best hair in SharePoint. But yes, we, we managed to track down Christian. I sat down with him on uh, in Amarnas, actually, on Friday morning in Amarnas before we traveled to SharePoint Saturday Cape Town. And uh, we chatted to him. Uh, he interviewed me, and then I interviewed him, and it was it was a good it was a good conversation. Yeah, so it's quite a big heavy hitter. Yeah. So let's cross to that now. This week on Two Thousand SharePoint, it's been a crazy time over the last three weeks. We literally got back from recording live at Microsoft Ignite at the end of September to running into SharePoint Saturday Durban, and we had we on the the day before, uh, when you hear this, it'll be two days after um, the last SharePoint Saturday. And we managed to track down the man that gets over 5 million impressions for an hour's conversation on Twitter. I'm just that interesting, yes. So, welcome, Christian Buck. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. We spent a lot of time together. I think this is, what, day 12 of me almost seeing you. I don't day. want you crying when we depart on Sunday. When are you? So when are you leaving, by the way? No, I'm, I'm here for a week. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah. you'll be around. I'm so we'll be right playing now. all day after that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just for the viewers or the listeners, because we will be uh, pushing What are they out. viewing? Well, it's difficult right now because <laughs> we've got a, a live show for Regarding 365, okay. which is a new segment yeah. to the Regarding They just have a picture of you on their wall. Is that required to be a listener of the podcast? Well, well we do have, we do have uh, one to five scale uh, pop-out uh, posters Ooh. of myself and, and uh, Roderick. Ooh. You've met Rod, yep. met Rod in, in, yep. in Johannesburg. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners... Listeners note, I see yes. listeners. Ah. They do not know who you are. Just a little bit of background of who you yeah. are, where you're from. Sure. Uh, so this is uh, Christian Buckley. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Collab Talk. Some people are familiar with the Collab Talk. I've been running a tweet jam for six years. In January, it'll be six years. Wow. Um, so that's where the name Collab Talk I've been using all along. And when I went out on my own, I wanted to use leverage the name and so formed a Collab Talk LLC. I'm based out of Salt Lake City, Utah now, but I was in, for 12 years, I was in the Seattle area, um, originally from Northern California, but I've been in tech for almost 30 years now. It's 29 years right now. Um, I'm a, in January 1, I will be a seven-time SharePoint MVP, Office Servers MVP, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Now, and it's just kind of, for those that don't know, it's Office Servers and Services 
And within that, there's SharePoint and Yammer and Teams now and kind of all these other products. Exchange. That Exchange, like all the office productivity tools. The office part of service yeah. products, yeah. Yep. Was there ever a Skype for business anything? I think there was. Well, I don't know about Skype for business, just a Skype. Yeah, and most of those were the telephony side yeah, of yeah. the UC side of things, yeah. But I've been in this the Microsoft space uh, officially since 2005, working with it, working with SharePoint since 2005. And then um, I work with, uh, so CollabTalk is an independent research and technical marketing services company. So mo my customers are almost entirely uh, Microsoft ISVs and consulting companies. Although I do work with other companies, I have non-Microsoft uh, non ecosystem uh, customers, but almost entirely, in fact, you think? Nope, entirely tech. So. You are on with BPAWS, right? I was there prior to BPAWS and with the, the rebranding, and then I left just after that, right? All right, so for those who don't know what BPAWS is. Yeah, so I, I joined Microsoft in 2006, in a team called Microsoft Managed Solutions. Uh, so it had some of my peers were Bill Baer and uh, Mike Watson, Joel Olison, a bunch of those folks. Um, if, you, uh, if you know that some of that history with what is now the dedicated Office 365 environment. So that was uh, in 2007, uh, it was changed to BPOS or Business Productivity Online Services, which was then rebranded to what we now know as Office 365. So I joined, I think, about six to nine months after MMS was formed. And they, the team that was chartered with creating a hosted version of SharePoint, and uh, it was spun out of Microsoft IT. And so most of the people had that history in Microsoft IT. I actually joined Microsoft having had created exactly that, a hosted collaboration platform using IBM technology we went live with that in 2001. We built out a knock. We, I ran the professional services team. I went from a product management to create what we called collaboration manager in 2001 um, to uh, doing all the deployments. And so I did deployments of a hosted collaboration platform with little companies like Cisco, Hitachi, Matsushita, which is in the US and elsewhere, Panasonic, yeah. um, Sony as like Omron, um, Rico, just a bunch of these massive electronics companies. And, and companies like Nortel, um, Lucent, things on the telephony side of things as well. And uh, so, yeah, so I actually joined Microsoft having already successfully done what they were attempting to do. And sometimes they listen to my experience, other times not so much. Coming out to South Africa, this is not yeah. your first radio out yet. I think it's my fourth time here. Trying to, it's been three years though. Um, so it's, yeah, I love it. Love coming out. It's a long trip. It's going to be longer you, getting home. But you people complain about coming out to South Africa. And you do a lot of travel outside of coming to this continent. Uh -huh. And this is probably outside of going to Australia, which mm -hmm. might be a little bit longer in flight time. Uh, this is longer. Is it longer? Well, I'm on the West Coast of the US. So it's yeah. the LAX hop straight yeah. down there. I'm, I'm down, I, I mean, I'm, Door to door in like 16, wow. 17 hours. Right. So this is definitely because you come to the middle of the earth. Right. And then you come down pretty much. Right. You're going to Frankfurt or Amsterdam. I'm, yeah. On the way here, it was easier. I flew from Salt Lake to Atlanta, Atlanta to Johannesburg. Okay. So that's 17-hour direct flight. So it's a 15-hour flight between that and then it was a um, not quite, maybe a three-hour flight for me from Salt Lake 
and then two hours sitting in between. On the way back, I'm going from Cape Town to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Atlanta, Atlanta to Richmond, Virginia. So I'm going to go hook up with uh, Ducks uh, with AvPoint. He and I are doing a workshop together for the Richmond SharePoint user group. Your take on where we are at in the old days, and let me paint the picture. Mm. In the old days, before the cloud, our, our, our grandparents, or are we no, no, not no. that old? Circa okay. 1995. Okay. So, if we look at 1995, dial-up accounts, dial-up accounts. Yeah. There was no such thing as the cloud. We were still building. Ton of servers, selling a lot of servers, selling a lot of server software. I was paying as a membership in the bulletin board service, so BBS. Yeah. I used to dial up with my 9600 board modem into um, a BBS service in Australia to download um, Intel Express Pro 100 drivers from our computer wholesale company. The head office was in Australia. Seeing the shift, Mm -hmm. back in the old days, we would look as South Africans at other countries and see technologically where they are mm-hmm. in their journey. And it was always, well, Australia's two years ahead of us, um, the UK's three and America's five years ahead of us. Your experience coming to South Africa outside of broadband. Yeah, which has been an issue this week. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. remember, we're staying in areas I, that don't I, have I realize that. So you don't get beauty like this in a concrete jungle. Yep. Your experience with the conversations you've been having with people outside of chatting to us. I think we're all on the same page where technology is worldwide, but speaking to customers, running around with AppPoint, engaging with the likes of Carabina and Mint and their clients, and even having conversations on Wednesday in Port Elizabeth. Is there still that it's, gap? Um, look, I, I, I think that there's a, a, it's definitely tightened up. It's not that there's a, there's definitely not a five-year gap. I'd say that um, from some of the customers that we've been talking with, they're very much interested in being, you know, catching up and being there. I think this this part of it, because you're you're moving out of the world of that infrastructure um, and the costs that are associated with that to where you're consuming that service, um, it, it is flattening that technology gap, you know, very much. And so, like we had, a, we were in a, a Port Elizabeth, and one of the customers was talking about how. Uh, they've got what was it, about three thousand seats, seats yeah. and they are moving to completely from there. There and they're a uh, um, a greenfield, yeah. you know. So they are moving entirely over to SharePoint and Office three sixty five. They're looking at kind of all of these other solutions. What were they on? What were they using? They using uh, Novell, Netway, and Groupos. Yeah, that's that is our grandfather's wow. that you know, is, yeah, collaboration. It's not your grandfather's Netway, right? But it's so. To answer your question, uh, I think it's if a year at most they're off where you have customers like like that. And the beauty of the cloud is that once they are on that cloud system, then it brings everybody up to the same speed. I mean, traditionally, there's been a problem where you go in, especially in the collaboration space, where you look at you show people these great demos. And then you have that difficult conversation of, okay, what versions of Windows do you have? To enable this, oh, you can't do this, so you can't do that. What version of Office do you have? Oh, you can't do this unless you're on the latest version. Oh, what additional services that you paid for? Oh, you can't do that because of... Now, suddenly, I mean, that's the other leveling of the playing field 
everybody's working from pretty much the same version of all those systems. Obviously, you have nuances if you do have some hybrid environments. Um, that's not, is hybrid much of a discussion point here? Or are people trying to make just that big leap directly into the cloud? Remember, we're in year zero hmm. of Microsoft's data centers coming to Africa. And that's going to be a big deal. But do, yeah. you, do you foresee there being a huge hybrid push or just an immediate jump into the cloud? Well, look, to coin Warren Marks' phrase, and I actually use it at Ignite this year, hybrid is not a journey. It's an end state. If you look at Microsoft's investments in hybrid, what they're doing taxonomy-wise and all of these things, coming through, we're not sure what SharePoint Server 2019 is going to look like. Right. And we know that there's going to be a huge investment to bring what's in the cloud back down to on-premises. But we haven't seen it yet. We're hoping the beginning of next year we'll start seeing it through, through our channels. Hybrid's always a conversation. I don't think anyone can flip a switch and magically just move everything to the cloud. You look at organizations like Rencore, who have built um, their company specifically geared around moving customizations from on-premises to into the cloud. Mm -hmm. But yet hybrid still exists. So you will have a coexistence. I think we'll start having bigger hybrid conversations with customers now that that barrier to entry we're getting our own data center in country where we're getting two actually, right. two times six, two times three. So Azure, Dynamics, because Dynamics is still split, and right. obviously Office 365, we're getting locations where availability zone in Johannesburg and an availability zone in Cape Town. So those AZs are coming. And I think from Microsoft's perspective, they're betting hard. They're spending a lot of money. Um, this is make or break for Microsoft for the continent. The mm -hmm. continent has been screaming about this. Our biggest barrier to entry hasn't really been bandwidth. Because fiber is rolling out throughout South Africa, right. except for the little guest houses that we stayed in. There's probably more fiber per capita in the continent of Africa than there is on any other continent. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's very, it's, it's, you guys are primed for it. Yeah. And this is, for those, for people too, I know we've had a lot of conversations about this. I did an interview with Lionel there at uh, Microsoft yeah. as well. So, uh, and, and, uh, and it was the other guy that I, that I interviewed there. Um, sorry, the, the, the tall gentleman. Um, Cliff. Cliff, that's yeah. right. Sorry, Cliff, if you're listening. I'd Cliff doesn't that. listen to my podcast. It's fine. <laughs> but we'll so, rip him off all day. But but I mean that was a, a so it was a great point that's made is that um it's going to put um South Africa at the forefront of this wave yeah. of services and opportunities, uh, entrepreneurial opportunities for the rest of the continent. It's an exciting time. It's one of the reasons I want to come down and do this roadshow and. And and, uh, and and hang out. It's why we put up with hanging out with Warren for you know a couple of weeks. Warren, yeah, Warren, Warren just walks, walks in and makes it always disturbs things. I know that's a problem. It's disturbing. So, yeah. When Microsoft spun up, well, I, I don't know how it impacted North America. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it was a data center a big thing? I mean, all these availability zones across North America. For us, it's a big thing. We know for Europe, it wasn't such a big thing because. Germany, yeah, but it, I mean, there's other other issues. I mean, it's 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 not like the data center that was deployed uh, when Germany went on it was two years ago or whenever that one went yeah, in place. Yeah. Um, it had holes. There were gaps. Yeah, and it's so the data centers that are being rolled out here, those gaps have been filled. The multi-geo, um, you know, capabilities. A lot of the other compliance and uh, and security upgrades that have happened globally, and so you know the 
as new data centers roll out, as new zones roll out worldwide, each time it's taking the collective growth and wisdom improvements from those other data centers and into that. It's a better data center. So you guys will have the state of the art, the latest, greatest there and benefit from all the learnings in those other environments, um, which is why Microsoft's security compliance story has greatly improved from what it was. I think just on the security side, and strangely mm-hmm. enough, it's a prime time to talk about it now. We had, a, I think, a, an estate agent, a realtor, um, an online realtor selling houses, leaked 30 million records lost yeah two days ago Ooh. it looks like a census database you know who the people are how many children in the house what their names are and what they own it was leaked um troy hunt actually leaked it um, it was found on a torrent site something like 27 gigs worth of data and on the back end of that with microsoft having i think the last count i did it was 57 they complied to 57 security and compliance regulations 57 mm. for me Having a conversation with uh, enterprise architects at a large financial services business, mm-hmm. for them to say that they are that they are capable of providing better security than storing their content in Azure or, or in Office 365, I'd literally walk out of the room because it's you a, don't know what you're talking about. Lie. Right? Yeah, yeah. So security-wise, I think Microsoft, what they're doing with data centers and being able to provide organizations with something that's that secure, mm-hmm. we start looking at. HTTPS now, if you're not on HTTPS, your site's not on HTTPS, I think Google won't index it anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the plan. I don't know if they've started doing that yet, but yes. So security is becoming the number one thing in IT right now. Compliance, second to security threat management, all rolled up into that. And speaking about Microsoft 365 earlier on with threat management and all the analytics that you're getting from Microsoft, I think for us as South Africans and also for the rest of the continent, um, it's, it's a great thing. Are you prepared to, planning on coming back next year when they flip the switch? I am. I'm, so I'm, uh, we obviously got to get the timing right. I think, yeah. you know, we're, uh, uh, you know, I will be pushing on the executive team as well at Microsoft and doing all that I can to try and get, uh, uh, Teeper and or Dan Holm and some and other folks and or and and it'd be and. great to have everybody you know come down and and attend one or more of those events. Um, but it's a but you're you're right. It's 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 no longer a hey an, an add on for that. It must be baked into that that platform. And to your point of organizations that think that they're secure or more secure by owning all of that. Look, I understand there's a difference between the government institutions where uh, the way that they do things and the certifications uh, and uh, it, that it they just are not able to move over to any kind of public infrastructure. The, a lot of those organizations, a lot of those municipalities still have initiatives that by a certain year, we must be in the cloud. Yeah. They're looking at other cloud options. It could be... Uh, you know, another third-party hosted but dedicated cloud environment. I think more and more of those environments will also come over to the Microsoft Cloud. I, I used to, in back in the early days, during MMS, talking with customers, and I, I did some travel out, did presentations for prospective customers of this this um, of that early uh, Office 365 platform, and I would say, you know, 
one of the things that you have with the SLA and the, the, the concerns were around the lack of control over their own data around that. And I would talk about like the change management process and getting requests out of their IT organizations today and how it really wasn't much different than you know going through uh, the Microsoft you know, front desk for that. All of that is improved as well. But from a security standpoint, I said Microsoft makes it very clear of where they're compliant and where they're not. And so you have things like the Trust Center, where you can go in, the compliance manager that's within that, where you can look and see and actually manage the level of compliance you know, to the various standards that are out there that Microsoft is compliant with as a, as a platform. Um, but is the, the fact that that too is an evergreen service. So as those, it's, it's a full-time job. I've done this before. We were, as we were talking, I, I did this as a consultant years ago prior to Microsoft. I did some compliance. Uh, uh, I was a consultant that worked with um, personal identifiable information, PII, and uh, uh, you know, information around credit card transactions. Um, going in and, and working with very large customers to make sure that they're compliant, uh, is that just updating on what the standards are from year to year, or even more frequent than that, the changes as different things happen, um, is it's a full-time job. It's why you have a risk manager looking at those systems. And with Office 365 doing that, keeping up at the top of the all of these international standards, so if you're a, even a small company, doing business across multiple borders, you're not going to know to keep up with all those standards, but you can go in and monitor those things and understand that if Microsoft says, hey, we're, we have the certification, we meet the standard, we do this thing, that they're also going to stay on top of that to make sure that they are compliant as those things evolve and change. And that's, I mean... It, it really, uh, and I think you guys that were actually talking about this, I believe, at Ignite in one of your podcasts around how much of ownership should be within your business and how much um, as a service. Were you talking about that, or did I hear that? No, not me. Not hmm. me. Not we did. We did the impact of teams on the traditional collaboration okay. with uh, Trevor and, and Heather. But that's a, but that's a question though around security is. How much of that should you own and have an expertise? So it's not longer just about like how much of an expertise should you as a SharePoint shop, you know, have an infrastructure, on-premises infrastructure. Are you in the business of maintaining servers or are you trying to get the benefits of the application? And so now as more and more organizations sign up for the cloud and move to that, whether it's hybrid and it's a permanent hybrid state or your pure cloud, um, the you know, do you need to have people that know everything that it is to know about maintaining servers or do you concentrate on the business solutions that you're using SharePoint and Office 365 to enable, enhance, streamline within your business and put your investments in knowledge of doing the productivity as, the, you know, as a service rather than the hardware side of it. It's the same around security. Do you need to have people that are experts on all aspects of those security measures that your organization must be compliant with and then maintain those things? So last question. Yeah. Google Cloud. Yes. A lot of noise about it recently. Yep. Would you see them going? I mean, Google has a an advantage, um, just like Apple has had an advantage on the desktop hardware side of things with 
schools. Google has a, a similar benefit. Um, I work with uh, Brigham Young University with the graduate school, the Marriott School of Management there. And I've got four student team, graduate student teams doing research projects right now. And BYU is completely on licenses for all the students, Office 365. And yet all four research teams, when they reached out to me, sent me Google Docs links. Yeah. And I shut that down. Google's done really well, um, and I think it's because of their mobile apps. I could, <clears throat> here's an Android phone, I've signed up for Gmail, it's right there, yeah. in your face, yep. cannot deny it, I've got an email address, I open up Gmail, ooh, look, I can work in documents. And the Chrome browser may be the you know, bloated uh, resource hog, but it works the best. No, it does. I have no problems with, with Chrome. It's my default browser mm -hmm. um, and Firefox. But with Microsoft making Microsoft for Education free for mm -hmm. students, um, and you heard Lionel talk about it, there's also a skill up program, all of those things. Yep. Like when Microsoft brought Internet Explorer out to go up against uh, Netscape. Right. Uh, yep. They're late to the game. I do think that specifically in South Africa, where a lot of education has gone Google Docs, Google yeah. Docs, yep. Google this, Google that, yeah. because it was free. Right. Obviously, not like millions of, of, of education, um, edu, educators that we have. Mm -hmm. It was just a natural progression. It's free. I can, I can work on a, on, a, on a feature phone, work, um, impoverished communities that have to incur a cost like you would with Office 365. I, I hope, I know it's going to be a big drive for, we are already in year zero of the data center launch, big drive for Microsoft to talk about education, seeing as it's part of the top six pillars that uh, Satya announced that it's five, and it's financial services, health, care, education, government, manufacturing, and retail. Those are the six. Uh, huge impact on moving in, in the Americas around, okay, we were on Google, and we're moving to Office 365, although the announcement that it's free for education, but it's only done, I think, 12th of May this year. Right. I think it's going to make a huge impact uh, because, I mean, look, even the, the, the students that they know that they, they go in, they use that in the free tools, but when they need to start using advanced capabilities and they yeah. get into the business world, it's all on the, the Microsoft side. And they don't even make the distinction there. And so the fact that, that it's made available to students for free. I think Microsoft has needed to go that direction for a long time. I mean, it's the same uh, effect uh, as saying that, hey, latest version of Windows coming out, if you upgrade before this date, yeah. free. free. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's a brilliant strategy. It's not just about that short-term licensed sale. It's, a, it's about that long-term moving people over to the platform to make it their primary system. And I think... There, I mean, it's exciting in the U.S. for the, I believe, the first time ever, millennials were surveyed and asked like who they want to work for the most, and it's kind of this popularity contest. Like, what's the coolest company that yeah. that millennials want to go work for? Microsoft won. Wow, over Google, over Google, over, and over Apple, and Facebook. Right. Wow. It's just, it's incredible. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's. Um, I mean, props are to uh, you know three years of under Satya Nadella, who 
who just said, hey, let's go and make the best software. Let's, um, where we're not the best, let's support the best, the, the platforms where people are. Yeah. You have to go where people are. And students, it's the same way. If you want to inspire the next generation, you have to go and match what is already out there to get them to switch and to consider that. And that's the direction we're going. It's, it's not about, hey, free software if you've got you're this age and you're a student like free software so much as changing the behaviors of the rising generation to um, at least look at Microsoft on an even playing field with the other technology players that are out there all right well thank you for being on the show how do people get hold of you on the Twitter yeah you you can you can find me my blog is just buckleyplanet.com and of course my Twitter handle it's I know it's long it's so it's been around a long time. Um, I've been blogging for over 15 years, but at Buckley Planet on Twitter. And, and I also encourage people to uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm one of, I was on the beta of LinkedIn, so I've been on there a long time. And uh, please include a note if you would like to connect to me. Don't just connect to me on LinkedIn, but put a note like, heard you on uh, Alistair's podcast and wanted to connect. And I am more likely to connect if there's a note. All right, well, great. Thanks a lot. And uh, I hope you enjoyed South Africa and we'll see you soon. Yep. Ta-ta. All right. Sweet. Thank you so much for coming on the cast, Christian. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's 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 good. You know, but he's a bit of a prima donna, but um, we love him anyway. Always good to have him on. So moving swiftly along so that we don't have too much of a long episode for you guys. There has been quite a bit of news since we last spoke to you. So let's get yeah. straight into it. In the news. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> People love your intro, Brew, and I do too. All right, so, what have you got up for us, Brew? Okay, so up first, Microsoft, as part of the 0365 Business Premium, have a bunch of services, including Microsoft Connections, Microsoft Listing, and Microsoft Invoicing, and those are all out of preview now and are generally available, which is pretty cool. So, so as a public service announcement, um, yes, we will probably not get it. Are we not getting these yet? Generally available to the US and Canada only. Yeah, but they are going to filter through to us at some point, I'm sure. Look, I think um, the localization of the currency and how all of that works is important. If you look at uh, Mile IQ. So that's a, a tracking app, so you can, you know, expense claim your travel. Um, we'd have to be able to put AA rates and all of those things in there, which is where it's going to, why it's only North America based. And then there's other stuff like um, invoice creation, also localization, all of those things for, for tax purposes. So what is the value added tax or what is the sales tax associated with, you know, that sort of thing. But for the small business premium guys, Great tooling. So that's one, two, three, yeah, four. So those are the four apps that Microsoft has been talking about for, well, for quite some time now. Now that it's no longer NDA, we can actually talk about it. But they actually introduced it to us, uh, I think it was the first quarter of 2017. I'm super excited that it's rolling out right now. Super cool, man. Super, super cool. What else do you have, Modlin? Up next, um, Microsoft has announced that it is stopping manufacturing of the Xbox Connect sensors. 
which is a thing and not for the reasons you'd usually think it is. So the Microsoft Connect is probably the most widely uh, slammed peripheral for any gaming system ever. Eh, maybe the Virtual Boy was worse, but it's pretty close. Um, nobody liked it for gaming at all. Turns out, though, people really loved it for everything else. So the technology that uh, Apple have got in their new iPhone, the face recognition stuff, yeah. is built off of um, the company Microsoft bought to do Connect. So that's a whole thing. And a whole bunch of companies have used the Connect hardware to develop facial recognition and motion capture software and all that sort of stuff. So in the startup tech community, the Connect has actually been quite a big thing because it's fairly cheap hardware that's that was very capable and it is uh, it is no more. So they're going to sell out of the stock they have, I guess, and that will be the end of it. So goodbye, Connect. Look, I had no problems with the Connect. I think for serious gamers, it was a problem. But for kids, mate, I mean, I, went, I bought... Shit, I remember buying the kids an Xbox, right? And, well, the Xbox 360 with Connect. For kids, it's fantastic. They had those little adventure things where you were on a boat and on a little raft and you had to move around. Hours and hours of fun. It's the same thing what Nintendo did. You know, so they had, what is the Wii with the little thing? That was cool. What was that yeah. Also, Microsoft. Yeah, Wii. like having like physical controllers works a bit better than the Kinect did. But I think what really, what worked really, really well on the Kinect was the voice commands. There were a couple games even that took really good advantage of being able to speak to it. Um, and that's a big play. I'm kind of surprised the Xbox One X, X rather, doesn't have uh, a microphone built in because you'd think you'd want Cortana on it and automation and all that stuff. But yeah, that was the thing. They'll release it. Like, so when Amazon released the Fire Stick, the first Fire Stick, not the second generation, there was no Alexa built into the remote. Second gen Fire Sticks has Alexa built into the remote. So all the first gen people decided to buy remotes instead of the entire thing at half the price of buying the entire package. So you must remember Microsoft's moving into it first Cortana powered speakers has actually been released. You can buy it through the Microsoft store. Um, and that's only took them what seven months after the announcement to say, okay, here we go. You can actually buy it now. So Cortana enabled devices are coming, but it's going to be, it's going to take some time. Also Microsoft's moving into the mixed reality space, not the virtual reality space. You look at what Sony has done around VR and the VR is so immersive. Um, it's actually crazy, but they've also got those VR glove handle, whatever those things are. Um, but yeah, mainstream gaming, it, uh, the Connect didn't really work um, because kids were playing, not the hardcore gamers. But yes, it's sad to see it go. On the back end of that, you can now use the Surface Pen to flip through PowerPoint slides. Okay, yeah. that's cool. It's that very cool. So I don't need a clicker anymore. I could just use a pen. That is super yeah. awesome. That's a handy little uh, quality of life upgrade <laughs> there. Quality of life. 
But it is though. It's not like a great technological thing, but it just it makes your life better. Primarily because my Logitech um, clicker, the G four hundred, died. Don't ask me how I've had it for years, and then I replaced the batteries, and it just stopped working. So I am very excited about being able to use my Surface Pen um, to to click through presentations, which is great. All right, sweet. So what else have you have? Up next, um, something else I'm super excited about is Teams. And uh, at Ignite, we got a bunch of news that uh, indeed Teams is going to be taking over a lot of the functionality that is currently in Skype for Business. And over the last couple of weeks, Microsoft has talked a bunch about the timelines of how they see that moving. Um, you can go online, specifically uh, Mary Jo Foley at All About Microsoft has a really great article that goes in depth. But they talked about a bunch of stuff that's coming over the next half year or so um, to Teams and it's stuff like um, screen sharing during chat, federation between companies, uh, meeting room support, which is quite cool. So the third party meeting room devices will be able to tie into Teams and take take over their telephony, which is really sweet. Um, they'll have support for broadcast meetings, which is really interesting. So you can, from your Teams, do a broadcast out, which is sweet. Um, cloud recordings and a bunch of like the technical stuff around location-based routing and using actual call lines and all that sort of stuff. Also, yeah, they did. In. They did well on um, on putting together the slides for what's happening with Skype for Business and all of that. We actually had a preview of that before they GA'd it, so it was quite interesting. What what I do find entertaining there is that they talk about broadcast meetings. So Skype broadcast has always been there. No one's known about it. Some people have used it. Everyone's hated it. And now it's called Teams on Air. It's going to be interesting to see how that works because that goes up squarely against a sort of your WebEx type stuff. You know, so you can send out an invite. You're a panelist um, and then you have attendees. And Skype's always worked that way. It's just no one's ever used it that way. So you'd go and send, set up a meeting, but no one's ever... And also there's been limitations to the amount of attendees. And Microsoft's done it in weird and wonderful ways. So I'm hoping that with them increasing uh, limits inside of Teams and how many teams you can create and all of these things and how many people can sit on a call because it's... I think it was hard set at 99 people on a on a team call and now they moved it to 200 or something like that. But it's good to see that. I, I'm, it's going to tickle me pink to see where this all goes because Microsoft is hedging their bets on Teams being the new interface to everything. The fact that they've rolled up Skype into it, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see two years from now where Teams has sort of organically grown and, and matured into. Yeah, it is interesting. I really like it as a hub location to absorb all the other services. I think that's really sweet. Um, and I hope it really takes off because I like working in the Teams ecosystem. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's going to have to get a lot more synonymous or at least the guesting seamless before we in consulting can really use it because you need everybody on the client side to be able to get into it as well in the same way. Um, but it's super cool. Um, my last little piece of news this week um, is Super Cray as in the Cray supercomputers, which companies can now rent time on through Azure, which is 
really the, crazy. The, high, the HBC stuff from Asia has been around for a while. Um, but it's great to see that there's effort now from, for, cause everyone, but look, it's not cheap. It's, it's not mincible, you know, um, we've had people I've spoken to a couple of SQL MVPs complaining to Microsoft about the HPC side of, of Azure being horrendously expensive. So for them to number crunch some big data stuff, it, it just doesn't make sense for, for them to do that. Um, and hopefully that, that, that pricing actually comes down. But yeah, having Cray level or IBM Big Blue level uh, computing inside of Azure, it does, it does shift a lot when it comes to moving to the cloud. It's, it's interesting. And um, it's, it's yet another service. Azure's really way up there, hey? As if, if you're renting space, I, I, I think they're really far ahead of their look, competition. Just on the breadth of services. Uh, I think it's important to note that they've played catch-up around this because uh, AWS and all the other guys have been, been ahead of it. But they ramped up fast, and I, I do believe that they've uh, surpassed AWS in, in, in feature sets. Also, bearing in mind, you must remember, Microsoft owns the products that they're putting in the cloud, whereas AWS doesn't. So it's not like AWS, and we've heard about them to working yeah. on a chat-based program, um, looking at uh, building their own sort of office apps, I haven't seen anything, not that I've really looked that hard, but yeah, it's Microsoft, you know, it's it's like being the distributor and the reseller of the same product, you know, and you control it. You have distributors selling your product and you sell the product directly, which is what Microsoft has. So it makes a lot of sense that they are able to ramp up that fast. Yeah, fantastic. Do you have any news for us, Al? I do, just a couple. Uh, I do to do. And uh, I think it was yesterday that Microsoft, I don't know if it's a Wonderlust replacement because it's very rudimentary in its functionality, but To-Do is now available for Office 365 logins. Cool. This isn't the same thing as the To-Do functionality you get in Outlook.com, hey? Not that I know of, no. But it might be. It might be. Um, I don't. I haven't used Outlook.com, so I don't even know what it looks like. But when they made To Do generally available, they only made it available to live accounts. So chances are it is that To Do. This week it's now available. You can log in with your Office 365 account, and it works. Remember when they launched it? They're going, "Oh, yes, To Do," and nobody could log in because everyone was trying to log in with the Office 365 account. Yeah. It is now. You can now log in with your Office 365 account. I don't know why it's taken them that long to do. But to do is now available for you to do with your Office 365 account. Cool. Next thing for me is the people card update. Um, I, I like it. I, I don't know if you've seen it. I mean, you log in one morning and then all of a sudden you get that little window that pops up in Word, Excel, PowerPoint, or in Outlook. It says, oh, look, new features. And they've snuck in the people card. It's flatter. It's more modern. So when you look at it, it's flat. There's no sort of, um, I don't know if you've tried it. But it is very flat when you hover over someone. I've got that modern experience now, very square, and there's no round edges and all of those things. So it looks quite pretty. And I'm assuming that part of that would integrate into the LinkedIn information coming out. So we'll only see it in Outlook beginning of next year, from what I understand. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that's how that goes because that information is super cool 
Like having that contextual stuff is sweet. But my question is, from a security and a privacy perspective, I would really want to know if I could disable that feature. So, A, how does it connect, right? Because if you're logging in with your live account, which is effectively your Outlook.com account, and you can now see my information depending on what authentication provider you're using to log into LinkedIn. But my LinkedIn account is connected to my uh, KW Consult account. I wonder how that will work. You'll probably get an option to, you will get an option to attach your LinkedIn profile probably to a number of email addresses that will then go through. And I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know, we'll have to test it when it, when this all goes out and goes live, but I'm assuming it'll keep the privacy settings you've set in LinkedIn. So in LinkedIn, you can say this stuff is public, this stuff is private, this stuff is only to my friends connections i suppose rather than friends i'm assuming it'll do the same thing and you'll get you'll get that uh security trimmed information through so if you're in linkedin and you say all my stuff is private none of the information will come through to outlook.com yeah it is a bit of an invasion of privacy because i wouldn't want um i wouldn't want everyone to although if you're on linkedin you've got a public profile anyway yeah, like the point of the point of LinkedIn is to have a public profile. So I I don't know what the issue is. But uh yeah, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. So I think that's it for the news, Hal. One more thing. Yes. So remember we talked about the death of ECM long live content services. Yeah. Microsoft has created a resource center for Microsoft Cloud content services. Okay the next wave of ECM. So if you head over to, and it's actually strangely enough, well, I wouldn't say strangely enough, but it's nice to see that they're expanding uh, techcommunity.microsoft.com. So this is actually a resource center that sits off the tech community. So if you head over to resources.techcommunity.microsoft.com slash content dash services, there's an entire portal around how the new messaging around ECM is dead, Long live content services for harvest, create, coordinate, and protect. There's even a white paper, and they talk about harvesting or harnessing the collective knowledge, SharePoint, OneDrive, all of those things. Uh, so it's a nice portal for people that want are wanting to get to grips with content services, aka Microsoft Teams. Okay. Yeah, so lots and lots of reading. Speaking about reading, moving into our next segment. New features Al didn't know about of the week what you got for us this week Al? so i was prepping for a webinar i did today on hybrid um hybrid use cases for microsoft and sharepoint and all of those things and because we are so busy in our our world um, i wanted my environment to read to me so i downloaded a pdf and lo and behold if you're using Adobe DC or Adobe Reader, there's an audio reader tab that you can enable so that Adobe would read the PDF to you. Really? Really, really. That's super cool. Yeah, that's neat. eh? I'm so excited about it because a lot of times I'm sitting in front of my PC and I've got my really country and music focused audio device who I can't mention. I said to her, play music from the 1995 and the first three songs are country music. 
<laughs> she knows you, bro. No, no. I, I use Deezer, actually. And no, Deezer, dude, she knows you better than you know yourself. No, I've got my mate Daniel Glenn who actually gifted me a... Um, oh, where is it? Uh, oh, shit, I'm knocking stuff over. He gifted me a Garth Brooks The Ultimate Hits Dua Tool 2 disc um, with 33 classic hits plus a bonus track. That's still mint in the packaging, which I haven't opened. Um, and he keeps on nagging. That wow, the actual physical me- uh, physical media. I have physical media, right? Physical CDs. Um, and he wants me to listen to country music. I prefer, I'm a more of a, of, a, of a Blake Shelton fan than a Garth Brooks fan. So, Dan, if you're listening, um, I have tried my audio-playing female friend here to get her to play me some, some Garth Brooks, some GB. Um, and she did, and yeah, it was okay. But um, next time you buy me a CD, please buy me a Black Shelton CD. Yeah, so that's cool. I, you can start listening to, to. I'm gonna start listening to a lot of PDFs now. I don't have to physically see it. I can just tell Adobe to read it to me. Awesome. And then our last segment in the show is my go with the flow. Uh, you gotta say it. You gotta say it. Go with the flow. That's better. Uh, we'll just use that one. Um, and the action I'm going to talk about today is the start and approval action, which is really sweet. So one of the most common use cases for workflows in business is an approval process. So I have built more approval workflows in my life than I care to mention. And in Flow, Microsoft have made it really super easy so they've got an action that they've pre-configured called start and approval and what that'll do is you can um you can it sends an email basically to a number of people you assign it to and you can set the approval either that everybody who it's assigned to must approve or anybody must approve which is quite cool so you can do you can do it both ways and then it sends out an email and the person gets an email as you specify it out. You can type out the whole email and they get a link for approve or reject. And it takes them through the web page and they confirm it. And it, it's really like it's a one-click, well, I guess a two-click process. And then what it does in the flow is that gives you, a, in the dynamic content, it gives you a section for the response to, to the flow to to the email and then you can set up a condition and have have the outcome based on the on the response to that email so it kind of does everything just in line for you it's not quite lazy approval but it's super easy to set up and super easy to use so i thought that was a really cool one i don't like flow you don't like yeah. flow why don't you like flow because it's stupid it's as stupid as sharepoint designer You'll have to elaborate because right, it's so stupid is not is is not really so, so much of a. So the approval thing you just spoke about, if you want to do approval yeah. in series, it's not actually approval. It's called pre-approval. I don't see what that has to do with this action oh. or flow oh, in general. You said start approval, so you can't do approval in series. If one, but the first person, it's actually called pre-approval. It's not like approval approval. So it's sucky like that. Well, no, you could. If, if you want to do it in series, you could build a series of steps. You could totally well, do that. Let's talk about the series. You, you, can also, you, you can also send it out to 
eight different people and do it in parallel and all eight of them have to approve. Well, well let's talk about this amount of steps slash conditions that you are limited to when you do this. Yeah. You have to remember, L, Flow is not an enterprise-grade automation service. It is a personal user automation. So why is there a tab that says my team flows if it's only for personal usage? There are small workflows. This is not it's not a direct competitor to a Nintex or for a sure. K2. If you can go build me a Th- those are those are process automation tools. This is a personal workflow. Yeah, Microsoft has been Microsoft thing. said something so, different at Ignite. I, I, that's, that's the messaging because people will go, we don't need Nintex. We can use slow. Sure. Go do a three step approval process for a budgetary item in flow and then come back to me and tell me it's cool. I'm pretty sure I could pull that off, but like, I, I'm not sure. And, and that's a fairly basic one. It's when you get into like, okay, I've got like eight streams of data coming in and then I've got to crunch some stuff and put it out into four different states and depending on which one it goes back and so forth I that's not what it's for and i agree i agree with you that it is not as mature as an intex or a k2 i'm not fighting with you on that i don't I'll think anybody you. is go build me an expense claims flow where based on budget value it either it will skip levels i'm three pretty steps, sure i could do that Line manager, first approver, second approver. You might have to, you might have to have a couple different flows now that I think about it. But like I don't know, pay pay me. And you can't initiate a flow from a flow, or can you? Exactly. No, you can't. You can't run multiple flows on the same um, list. I think you can. You, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but then you might as well do SharePoint design. I'm almost certain you can. Build a dumb weight in the background with hidden columns like we used to do in the old days. Yeah. yeah, that's my rant, my rant. I think we need to add a segment called Al's Rant of the Week. Yeah, I do not want you ranting every week. But I think that is where we will call it for our show today. Thank you all very much for joining us. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us online uh, at our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're also on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin, and L is... At Alistair Pugin. Sweet dude, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, as your co-host, I'd like to sign off by saying thank you. Sweet Al, cheers. Cheers, cheers. Sweet. I'm looking forward to editing out all the vape noises. <laughs> I was wondering if you heard it because I was staring at um, Audacity to see if the mic picked it up. Oh, it did. Oh, it totally did. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is straight for the blooper.